You see, when the person that's bringing you Jesus, whether they're reading to you or preaching to you or teaching you, when the person that's bringing you Jesus is just and broken, as broken and lost without the gospel as you, that's when the gospel shines. When the person that has just bought you a cup of coffee and is encouraging you in the gospel, when that person is just as ineffective as removing an emotional burden from you as you are, that's when the conversation becomes all about Christ who can. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintiger.com. We're in the second week of our Colossians sermon series. Uh, today, we're zeroing in on Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, and we're going to read through chapter 2, verse 5. These are the words the Apostle Paul wrote to his Colossian congregation. He said, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for all those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is God's Word. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I had a hunch about something this morning, and it was proved right. So my hunch was that there were going to be a few people here this morning who were going to hear this first verse, this text, and flinch a little bit. And so after I read the first verse, I I looked up for a second, and I saw a few people flinching, and, and I get it. I know why. You heard that first verse where Paul was talking about his suffering and he's talking about affliction for the sake of his for the sake of the body and 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 I think that you were probably thinking this like oh I know where this sermon's going. 
Paul's talking about his suffering again. And so pastor's going to get up there and he's going to say, look at how much Paul is suffering. You all are not suffering anywhere close to what Paul is suffering, but look, he's still joyful. Why aren't you joyful? You should love Christ enough to be more joyful. Amen. And I, I get that. I understand that. I actually did some research on it. I, I read probably eight to ten sermons um, based on this text, and the majority of them were that sermon exactly. You know, you've heard that sermon before. I've heard that sermon before. I have preached that sermon before, so I get it. And so maybe you will be relieved to know that's not what this sermon is about. Because that's not what this text is about. I mean, don't get me wrong, there, there is all of that application. All of that application would be correct to, to look at the Apostle Paul and see how he's suffering and see how he's also joyful. See how passionate he is. See how fill in the blank the Apostle Paul is. It would be correct application for your life to look at the way that the Apostle Paul has, has sunk the gospel down into his heart so that he is able to be joyful at all times. That would all be useful application, but it's not the truth that the Apostle Paul is communicating here. Paul here is communicating a gospel truth, not a law one. You've heard me talk about the difference between law and gospel before. We're going to review that again here this morning. If you've got your church app open, these are your first couple notes. There's a space for you to write in um, the definition of what the law is and what the gospel is. We're going to start with the gospel. The gospel is what God has done to save you. The, the gospel is Christ's work outside of you, for you, on behalf of you, in spite of you. The gospel is that God sent His one and only Son into the world to live perfectly in your place because you couldn't, to die perfectly for you because your death wouldn't be able to cover your sins, to rise for you, to assure you that you have eternal life with, with Christ in heaven. That's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. The law is the opposite. The law is not what God has done for you. It is what you must do. It is who you must be. It is behavior that you must mimic. It is identity that you must have. It is a goal that you must achieve. The gospel is what Christ has done for you. The law is what you must do. So I ask you about this text that we just read. Is it law or gospel? Is it gospel or law? I'm going to read to you um, a verse from this text. It's verse 24, the first verse of the text, and you listen for it. Is this something that the Apostle Paul is saying you must do, or is there something the Apostle Paul says has been done? This is what he says. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. So law or gospel? 
This is gospel, right? This is not the Apostle Paul telling us what we got to do here. This is the Apostle Paul telling us that something has been done on our behalf. This is a gospel text. And I'm starting there with this sermon, like the Apostle Paul is starting this section by rooting us firmly on the gospel of what has been done for us. And Paul builds there, so we're going to build there. On the basis of the gospel, Paul puts out an enormous, audacious goal for his church. Listen to what it is. Uh, There are two verses I'm going to read. The first is chapter 1, verse 28, and then chapter 2, verse 2. This is the far-flung goal that Paul has for his church based on the gospel. He's teaching them so that we may present everyone as perfect or mature in Christ. And then chapter 2, verse 2, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. I mean, talk about a huge goal, right? How many people would be willing to, to stand up here, raise your hand, and say, I am mature, perfect in my faith? And how many people among you would be willing to stand up here and say, I have a complete and full understanding of Christ? These are are big, audacious goals that the Apostle Paul has for his church and, and that we can have through Christ in ourselves. You know, Paul doesn't want us to have a juvenile faith. He wants us to have a mature one. And he doesn't want us to have scraps of teaching. He wants us to have full and pure teaching. And he doesn't want us to have just a partial understanding of the gospel. He wants us to have a full, complete understanding of who Christ is. So that, even while here on earth, we may have true peace and true hope. That's Paul's big, audacious goal for his people. And that's what this section is about. That's another one of your notes. That's what this section is about. This section is not about the Apostle Paul telling us how to suffer and telling us to suffer better. This is the Apostle Paul rejoicing out loud, saying, Look! God is working his big, audacious goal for you. It's coming to fruition. Just look how he's doing it. You see it? He's doing it through me. Even though I'm the chief of sinners, Christ is doing it through me. I get to be the one to deliver his power, his word to you. You can see Paul's own words. He says it in verse 25. He says, I have become its servant, the gospel servant, by the commission that God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Again, that's what this section of Colossians is about. It's Paul rejoicing that God is bringing his goal for us to fruition, and he's doing it through sinful human people. God is working for us, communicating his truth to us, through us. And now this might sound totally sacrilegious, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it anyway, even if just for exaggeration's sake. Doesn't that sound boring? 
God's word is powerful. It is cosmic. It is eternal. It saves people. Doesn't it sound a little bit boring and mundane and everyday and run-of-the-mill that that powerful, eternal, cosmic word is communicated through sinful people, uninspiring people? I mean, there's this, there's this story in the book of Acts. It has always struck me about this. That the Apostle Paul, he's the writer of this book. He, he's well known as being one of the greatest teachers and preachers in the history of the church. He was teaching one night. And there was a youth sitting in the window and that, that youth got so tired that he fell asleep and he fell out the window. Isn't it kind of a boring way to communicate God's powerful word when you think about the divine way of communication that the Holy Spirit could have chosen? And again, I'm, being, I'm exaggerating a little bit here, but I'm doing that because this is a question that a lot of people have about God. Why doesn't he communicate more directly? Why doesn't he speak with, with, with a voice in my head so that I can hear him directly, so I can know exactly what he wants me to do? Why, if, if Jesus wanted everyone to come to know him and come to have a knowledge of him, why doesn't he come riding in on a lightning bolt so everybody can see him? And if God wants us to know his word so well, then why doesn't he write it up in the sky in, in firework letters so that everyone can know what we need to know? And, and if God wanted us to live our lives according to his law, then why wouldn't he give us a feeling in our gut when we, to know whether or not we're doing that? Why doesn't God communicate with us more directly I'm sharing this with you because I want you to know that Paul is addressing this question that God is communicating with us. That God is doing his divine work in us, but he's doing it in a way that you might not expect. This is your next note here. God doesn't use divine looking things. He doesn't use divine looking things to do his divine work. God chooses to do his divine work through human agents. I think you know this about me that I'm a total word nerd and this isn't going to get total word nerdy for a second here. I went through this text and I counted up all of the personal pronouns, all of the I's and me's and we's because there are a lot of them. There are 15 in this text, and that's, that's a lot. And I noticed this because reading a Bible commentary, the commentator was accusing the Apostle Paul of, of getting too messianic and thinking too much of himself. He's saying Paul is making this way too much about himself. It's all about Christ. Why is Paul talking about himself so much? That question gets answered by looking at how many times Paul uses the second person pronoun, the you pronoun. You know what that tells us? That pronoun was used eight times in this text alone. That tells us that Paul is communicating something to us. He's telling us that God is communicating his word to the people and he's saying that God is using me to communicate that word to you. Paul is working hard to communicate that God is delivering the gospel to the Colossians 
through him. And again, I want you to know that that is not a law thing. You're not going to hear this sermon end by me, with me saying, look at how Paul delivered the gospel. You should too. This is a gospel text. This is a text that celebrates how wonderful and glorious it is that God delivers his gospel to us on a silver platter. That God uses the highest and best relationships that we have to strengthen us in our faith. If this sermon has been meandering up to this point, I hope that it comes home right now. What this text is about is it's Paul talking about how God is accomplishing the Christian's big audacious goal through him. He's saying that through the word that he gets to communicate to the people, God is fulfilling his goal. And if that is true, just think about what that means for you and your words. It means that your words matter eternally. It means that if you are a mom or a dad or an uncle or an aunt or a brother or a sister or anyone who, who reads a Bible story to a child, those simple words have the power to wing that child into eternity. And it means that, that, it, that, that if a friend takes someone out for a cup of coffee and if they share the gospel with that friend, those simple words have the power to take a person from despair to eternal hope. And it means that a young, inexperienced, uninspiring pastor can stand in front of a group of people and deliver a word that brings true and perfect peace and hope. means that the gospel shines even through imperfect people. I, I want to give an example of this. Last week I was on a family vacation with my side of the family and um, one of the best parts of that was sitting down with my siblings and reminiscing about our childhoods together. Our, our childhoods are spread out by like 18 years, but all of us remembered one thing specifically that each one of us had in common. My mom taught us to be voracious readers. I don't think we missed very often. I'm pretty sure almost every single night my mom sat us down and read us books. And each one of us remembered this about when my mom would read to us, that my mom would get so invested in the book that at least once a night she would stop reading out loud and just start reading in her head to get us ahead in the story faster. And we'd have to, to nudge her in the side to get her to start reading out loud again. But I'll tell you what, none of us ever, not even once, none of us ever had to remind my mom to start reading again when it came to our Bible stories. Because my mom knew something. She knew that there was gospel power, there were divine sparks flying whenever she was reading God's word. She knew that the Holy Spirit was working in our hearts when she was reading those words. 
if I have any faith, if I have any dependence on Christ in my heart, if I have any semblance of peace in me, it is because of divine moments like that. I want to encourage you in this. Your words matter. When the gospel is spoken, no matter who is speaking it, it matters. See, that is one of the coolest gospel nuggets of this text right here. I put this, these next couple sentences inside your church app so that you can remember them. Here's what God does. God uses fallible, mundane humans to reach us. You know what that shows us? It shows us that it's never about the person or the relationship, or the means of communication. It's always about God's truth and its power. You see, when the person that's bringing you Jesus, whether they're reading to you, or preaching to you, or teaching you, when the person that's bringing you Jesus is just and broken, as broken and lost without the gospel as you, that's when the gospel shines. When the person that has just brought, bought you a cup of coffee and is encouraging you in the gospel, when that person is just as ineffective as removing an emotional burden from you as you are, that's when the conversation becomes all about Christ who can. And when the person loving on you is just as unable to remove your guilt as you are, that's when, the, that's when that, that relationship becomes all about the only one who can, Jesus Christ. That's the power that happens when the gospel takes center stage. And that's why I'm so encouraged about what's going on here at Hope Lutheran Church. Have you noticed this, that the gospel has taken center stage here? Have you noticed this, that one of our brothers in Christ, he went through something really hard in his life. And God used a relationship for his word to be communicated so that healing could happen. Did you know that that brother in Christ opened his mouth and shared using the words of a sinful person to share his story with hundreds of thousands of people? Did you know that? Did you know that here at Hope, people are starting to have texting groups where they're encouraging each other to read the Bible every single day so that they can ask each other questions, so that their faith can be encouraged and strengthened. Did you know that strong relationships are starting to happen in this church where they're getting up early so that they can sit with each other and be with each other? They're staying up late so that they can talk through really hard things in their life with Christ as the center of it. Did you know that's happening at Hope? Did you know that none of that would happen because of a law? None of that would happen because of a law that tells you to do something, to be something, to achieve something. All of that is happening because of the gospel. All of that is happening because we are convinced through the Holy Spirit that God's own Son suffered, died, and rose for us so that we could live forever. 
I'll tell you what that looks like from a pastor's perspective. People are starting to call me their pastor. I don't think I'm ever going to get over that. It's kind of like when your child calls you, calls you dad for the first time. You never forget that. You never get over that because those titles mean something. In that it's, it means that I get to be something for people. I get to be the one who shares the gospel with them. I get to be the one in their lives who shares with them the truth of God's word. I'll never get over that. And I'll tell you something else. I'm never going to stop with that. Week after week after week, I am going to continue to share the gospel with you. I am going to continue to make sure that the, the gospel is center stage in this church. You know why? Because I need the gospel just as much as you do. And when a sinful human gets to share the gospel with sinful humans, that's when the gospel takes center stage. And that's when Christ's goal comes to its fulfillment. People of hope, the goal of being mature in our faith, the goal of having a complete and full understanding of Christ, it's not some far-flung, impossible goal. If you look around, it's happening right here. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.